Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. I am super, super excited to welcome Olivia Austin from a current design studio to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So four years ago, Olivia left her cushy nine to five to pursue entrepreneurship with no plan, just passion to bridge the gap between making an impact and beautiful design. Olivia is the founder of Current, a design studio that builds high-converting, scalable brands for coaching, wellness, and luxury hospitality businesses. She is a serial entrepreneur, business mentor, and life enthusiast running multiple businesses like mentoring designers to scale their businesses with her signature mastermind, Design to Scale, or her upcoming course. She also owns a product company, Mode of Deck, Affirmation Cards for Entrepreneurs. Olivia is driven by helping entrepreneurs go unapologetically after their dreams by streamlining big visions and turning them into obsession-worthy brands and businesses. Most days, you can find her crafting the perfect latte and planning her next adventure at home in New Hampshire with her dog and husband. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yes. Uh, How does it feel having your bio read out? (laughs) It's always so weird because I'm like, oh my God, did I write that? Or who wrote that for me? Or is that true? Should I change something? (laughs) I feel like I have to constantly update my bio because I always say like how old my kid is in it. I'm like, oh wait, this is outdated. But it's always like super strange to like have someone else like read through all of your accomplishments because then you're like, oh my gosh, like, who is she? Like, but then it's like, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. So also guys, Esther is busy at work in her studio working on client work today. So we will miss her today, but I'm really, really excited to have this chit chat. So let's do our intro question. Olivia, what consumer brand would you want to rebrand and why? Okay. So you mentioned this before we started recording and we were saying that all of the brands we use are aesthetically pleasing. So there's not a lot of uh, brands that we would want to, but there is this winery that is down the street from me that my husband and I love to go to. It's so beautiful and lush and it has amazing wine, but their labels and their branding is awful. It has oh, this no. like horrendous. <laughs> and every time I go there, I'm like, Oh my God, I actually have in my notes to do is to pitch this winery. I was say, to... You should reach out to them. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think I do. I will if I have time. Um, cause their branding is like, it just doesn't speak to the vibe and the aesthetic of anything that like they speak of. Like their colors are like their wine label and their signs around their winery is like red and orange gradient. And Ooh, okay. It's not cute. Yeah. No, so I think that cute. would be one that <laughs> has just been top of mind lately. So, and I love their wine. So whenever I drink it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just will put this back in my cabinet because I don't want to look at it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, it's so funny when you have a product that like the quality does not match their brand. And I feel like that's one of the things that probably your clients come to you. And same with me, they say, I'm doing this amazing work. I'm serving people at this super high level. 
I'm embarrassed by my brand and my website. Like, yeah. I, help. <laughs> I just got up yeah, and exactly. someone was saying that. And, and so when, as brand designers, we notice that stuff and we're like, Ooh, opportunity for them, not even opportunity for me, but opportunity for them to like sell more, yes. raise their prices, all that stuff. So you'll have to send me a picture of the wine label and we can post I'll send it, it to you. Not post it. We'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it um, internal. <laughs> yeah. I'll send it to you. It's awful. And I've met the owner and her story is amazing. She was like a lawyer that was on a road trip and then stopped at this guy's garage and realized she wanted to not be a lawyer anymore and become a winemaker. And now she has this like beautiful winery and it just doesn't speak through in any of their branding. So Wow. Okay. So that's a storytelling opportunity for sure. Yeah. For my consumer brand, I would probably want to rebrand Skintimate, the shaving cream. Recently, they actually did go through a rebrand. And if you guys are imagining Skintimate shaving cream, you're probably imagining like oranges and like jasmine flowers and very like florally. And they like rebranded to something that just looks very generic and Mm -hmm. like... I can tell they were trying to move away from the like more is more to less is more aesthetic that is happening right now. Olive Garden rebranded. A lot of brands are going from more texture and gradient to more flat designs for digital and, you know, better representation on social media, small sizes, et cetera. But this rebrand wasn't it. It was not it. And so (laughs) if I was to pitch them, you know, I would say, hey, like we can achieve the look that you want without it feeling like a generic target brand, you know, because now on the shelf, it doesn't have that like power. I mean, before it was like, it was really florally, but it made me like smell the scents. Like it made me really be in their product, but now it's just Mm -hmm. like, something's just not hitting right. So that's probably the consumer brand I would want to rebrand. And also I love color. So I feel like that would be a fun project. Yeah. That's a good one because I see exactly what you're saying. So there, I see how they rebranded and it is pretty flat. Yeah. I mean, like the font is interesting, but like they took away some more of those elements on the packaging that I feel like made them so iconic. Like I have been using skin cement since I was like, since I started shaving. I was just going to say, that's like what what brings me back to that brand is when I I was like at sixth grade camp or something. I know. know. There's a lot more like, chic brands out there now with like better ingredients and more natural they're definitely more of like a corporate you know shaving cream brand but I don't know (laughs) that's my choice yeah (laughs) when I was a brand new mom my business goals totally shifted my new baby was priority number one, and I wanted to craft my business around the freedom and flexibility of my schedule while also supporting my family. It was really confusing. When I signed up for Design Biz Mastery, a group coaching program led by Morgan Rapp, I finally felt like I'd found the right fit. I continued growing my revenue while also getting my time back, and I actually began to love sales calls rather than dreading them. Morgan's been growing her family alongside her business over the last 10 years, And I really related to her focus on time freedom and profitability over vanity numbers. Design Biz Mastery has a signature blend of quick wins and sustainable slow builds, specific growth mindset and sales tactics. And it's the OG business course for designers who are ready to powerfully sell, confidently price, and productize an ecosystem of services to scale to peaceful 10 or 20K months 
without dragging timelines, frantically creating courses, or hiring an expensive team to get there. Grow your revenue and start taking Fridays off, like me, with Design Biz Mastery. Visit dbm.morganrap.com slash better. Morgan Rap is spelled M-O-R-G-A-N-R-A-P-P. To learn more, get a special bonus and also receive access to a free training about Morgan's three-part framework to peacefully scale your design business towards your first or next six figures on part-time hours. All right. Well, I'm seriously so excited to talk today about hiring and scaling and not just hiring, but like the title of our episode says, like hiring a a team that supports your vision in a way that's sustainable for your business, that helps you increase revenue, doesn't eat into your profits so much so that you're suffering and your salary suffering, et cetera. Honestly, just like personally, and I told you this before we started recording because like I have been pretty solo for the three and a half, four years that I've been in business. And I've kind of dabbled with subcontractors here and there, but I just really don't feel like I've gotten to that point where I want or need to hire a full-time person. But I almost wonder if that's like, okay, maybe that's kind of like the dress for the job you want type of moment. Like maybe that is something that I would be interested in. So I'm excited to learn from someone who has kind of walked that path before and just kind of pepper you with questions. And I hope our listeners um, (laughs) will, you know, take away some, some nuggets of advice. Yeah. I'm so excited to chat about this topic. I feel like it's not controversial, but it's, you know, the path to go from solopreneur to having a team is really personal and it does take time. And I think it's amazing that you the title is hiring a team that supports your vision because it really is different for everyone. So my idea of a thriving studio is totally different than yours, is different to, than every single person's that is listening to this episode. So like everything that we talk about here on out is take it with a grain of salt and apply it to your vision and what it looks like for your business because it's totally different for everyone. I love that you said that. One of the things I've been thinking about recently is like, you know, what what season of business am I am I in? And we talk about this often mm-hmm. on the podcast. Is that like, I mean, our tagline is the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. And yeah. you know, sometimes you don't even need to be better than who you were yesterday. Sometimes you just need to survive that day and then you know, take a shower or whatever. <laughs> so yeah. we're talk about that, but like, you know, everyone is in a different season, and I have been definitely victim of season comparing of like, oh my goodness, look at this other designer, look at her full-time team, look at XYZ, yeah. look at what she's able to do, look at how much content she's able to produce. Why can't I do that? You know? And so right. I'm so glad that we're kind of having this conversation from a space of like, take what resonates, leave the rest. Maybe this isn't you right now. Maybe this is you in the future. Maybe this is something that you wish you had done two years ago. Every yeah. single person is completely different. So I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just kind of zoom out a little bit. I would love to hear a little bit more about your story. I know I read your bio. You talked about quitting your, your nine to five, you know, I've read your about page and all that stuff, but tell us kind of more about like the twists and turns that got you to where you are right now and any lessons that you learned along the way. Yeah, definitely. I feel like my story is pretty relatable. Um, so I always love sharing it because I personally love listening to stories 
of how people got to where they were because it is never the straight and narrow path. Um, it is always, you know, nothing ever is as it seems and nothing ever goes exactly how you want it. So I grew up in a very traditional household. My parents have been together since they were like 14, worked super hard and, you know, it was always you graduate from high school, you go to college, you graduate from college and you get a corporate job and you work in that corporate job and you love it. And that's the American dream. And you're so lucky. So I did all of that. I went to college right after high school. I had an amazing experience. And right after university, I left and moved to California. And I wanted to go to California so bad. I would have literally like swept floors as my job just to move to California. So I did not care about what job I had, but I actually did end up getting a good job. And I worked in the marketing department at a commercial real estate firm. And I, you know, I had an amazing boss. I had great coworkers. I got to explore. Um, I didn't graduate. I graduated with a public and mediated communications degree with a minor in English, but I took graphic design classes in college and my school just wasn't like an arts college. So there wasn't like a lot to explore. So I did a lot of just like experimenting on my own kind of. So I always knew I wanted to be more in the design field in marketing. So when I graduated and I got this job, I designed like billboards and like window decals for real estate. And it was really fun, honestly, like the first year. And then I started thinking, like, is this what I should be doing? Like, is this what I want to do? You know, and I started working with freelancers. So the firm that I worked at was really small. So they did like contract graphic designers or videographers. And I remember I was friends with the girl in accounting and I was like hanging out at her desk and she had an invoice from the graphic designer that we contracted. And I was like, what? That's her hourly rate? Are you kidding me? And so then like the wheel started turning and it's very different. So I grew up on the East coast. Um, and the West Coast is a bit more progressive. Like there's a lot more. And specifically, I was in San Diego. So like no one had a normal job. Like everyone was creative or a freelancer. So I really like, I really didn't know that you could have your own business until I was in California, which sounds so stupid, but I just like didn't think of entrepreneurship as a career path. So after the first year, I really got more introduced. Like the wheel started turning. I started wanting to maybe freelance on the side. But then it just really started getting to me that this is what my life would look like no matter what my job was. So like I hated corporate. I hated like being told what to do all the time. I'm a really fast worker. So I didn't understand why like I could finish everything that I needed to be done and like still have to sit somewhere for eight hours. It just made zero sense to me. The whole vacation limit thing, I was like not into. So I just was like, I don't know about this whole corporate situation, especially because like everyone was saying, you know, this is the dream. Like, you're so lucky. You have a good job. You live in California. And I just felt like so creatively stunted and just not super happy in my career and thinking, like, oh my gosh, is this what I'm going to be doing when I'm 40? Like, that sounds awful. So, and I remember one day I was leaving work. I was probably about two years in at this point. So I was only 24. And I called my mom and I was like, I don't know. I just like don't love my job and I just feel really upset about it. And she was like, Olivia, nobody really like loves their job. 
And I was like, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be one of those people. Like, no, if I spend, and I'm like doing the calculations in my head, like, but I'm going to spend this many hours of my whole life working. Like I better love it. So literally that day I quit my job or like the next day or something, I woke up and was like, I'm quitting. And I lived with my boyfriend, now my husband and my best friend at the time. And they were like, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but (laughs) I'm doing it. And I quit. And I, I truly like swear to God had literally no idea what I was going to do, but I'm very, that's like very much my personality where I am all or nothing. So if you're listening to this and you still have a corporate job, like maybe don't follow my footsteps and like have a little (laughs) bit more planning. Um, I also had like not a lot of bills. I was only 24. So it wasn't like a, like do or die. And that's kind of like where my journey started. And it truly was trial and error. So like, because I was in real estate, I was lucky. My boss was awesome. She was like such a nice person and she was willing, like we still like contracted. So I got, I still worked for her. I taught yoga on the side because I was also a yoga instructor. Awesome. I'm also a certified yoga instructor. I saw that on your your website. Yeah. I don't actively teach right now just because of the little kiddo, but it is, uh, it's, it's a part of my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. I haven't taught either since I moved from California. We've been here for two years now and I miss it so much. Do you have your 200 hour? Yeah. It's my, just, just the, the baby one. just the 200 yeah. hour. I would love to eventually do 300 or do like a special training on like yeah. or something. I'm like right now, this season of my life, not the time for it. Not the time, <laughs> but yeah, me too. That was actually like a really big part. So as I was going through that transition, like, what am I meant to do with my life? I was going to this yoga studio and they were like, oh, we're doing a yoga teacher training. Like you really go deep into spirituality and life purpose. I was like, sign me up. Like I need literally anything right now. Like I need help. (laughs) Yeah, I need help. So that did help to have that support and like that true, like internal deep dive to be like, what do I actually want to do with my life? Um, and actually yoga is such a huge part of, of it, like yoga and wellness and everything. Because now fast forward five years, that's like who we work with and it's because of the impact. So I guess that's like a long, like a long way of my story, but it really was trial and error. And I started working with, you know, people in the real estate and then, and then it was bothering me that people like didn't have fonts and colors So then I was like, okay, I'm not like, like I'm not using random fonts and colors anymore. So I started, um, you know, putting together like branding packages. So the only way that we could do any of that, like any sort of design work is starting with branding. And then that, it just kind of evolved over the years, um, really through like trial and error and trying to figure like learning as I go. I love how you totally quit your job without a plan. I think that like people who make it to the top, there's a little element of like, you know, a little crazy in there, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, I didn't want to say it. You said it. No, I said it too. I I feel like I relate to that too, because I mean, not to go too far in depth, but I, when I graduated from journalism school, all of my friends were going and working in consulting, working in corporate jobs. And like, that's what they wanted. And I, mm-hmm. you know, did my stint in the editorial design world. I worked at magazines in New York and there really was something missing. 
And Mm -hmm. like, I, like I totally relate to like sitting at your desk when you don't have tasks to do. I'm like, this is such a waste of time. Like it's a waste of money for the company too, you know? And that's how I eventually sold one of my first retainer clients back in the day when I did graphic design retainers was I was like, look, you could hire someone full time or I'm tax deductible. So (laughs) you you have me as a subcontractor and you know, I like, I also work really quickly. And so like the format of the traditional corporate nine to five really just didn't make sense to my brain. So I feel like it's the same way with you. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And I was similar, you know, I changed my major in college like three or four times. I had friends who knew what they wanted to do. They were doing business. They were doing finance. They were in, um, you know, athletics or nursing or whatever. And they knew what they wanted to do. And they either went to grad school or they got that exact job. And I just graduated and was like, I know nothing. (laughs) Like, what did I learn? I just had a lot of fun. Like that. I don't know anything. So I definitely felt lost. And I think that's like a lesson in anything is like, you know, nothing is ever going to be perfect and you just have to start and you figure it, figure it out along the way. Like I don't have a business degree. I don't have a graphic design degree, but I run a thriving agency and everything I've learned is things that I actually needed to. So I've taken courses and, you know, invested in mentorship to learn everything that I needed in order to make my dream happen. I was going to say, make it happen. Like, like a Tim Gunn, like make it work moment. Like you had to make it work moment. It was do or die. Like you had bills to pay, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I love that so much. Okay. So I'm so curious about your hiring journey. So let's get into that. I would love to know more about you making your first hire in 2020. Loved the timeline that was on your website. What, if anything, would you have done differently? And what do you feel like you made the right choice in doing? Such good question. So the hiring journey, I think, is really important to get, but like before you start, and this is something that I did really well, is I got really, really clear on what the vision for the business was. So I was a solopreneur all, you know, for two and a half years, um, three years, and was doing really well, but I was on the brink of a burnout. So, you know, I was doing really well, had consistent clients, was doing everything on my own, but I was working a ton. And it was like, okay, I either have to max out my capacity and basically like limit my, you know, revenue or what do I see this becoming? Is it greater than me or is it just, you know, is it just me? And I really had to think about it. And it definitely took me, you know, a few weeks, a month to really, really think about it. And again, this is where like the yoga and wellness and all that comes back into. I'm very good at looking internally and getting really clear on the vision. And when I came out of this realization, it was, I want it to be bigger than me. I don't want it just to be me. I want to have an agency of creatives, of like a really, really creative team where people can come to us and we have, you know, marketing experts, we have designers, we have copywriters, we have photographers who can bring your vision, our client's vision to life. And it's not only on me. And I know that my strength is the big vision. I am a manifester in human design. I'm an Aries. 
the day-to-day is not my strong suit. So I knew that like, in order to elevate my client experience, really provide clients with what I wanted and the caliber that I knew that I was able to provide them, having a team will just amplify everything. So once I got clear on on that, it was like, okay, what do I need to do um, in order to get there? What's the first step? So for me, my first hire in 2020, Raquel, if you're listening, love you, miss you. Uh, She doesn't work with us anymore, but um, she was super talented. And basically, I looked at my entire process of start to finish deliverables, what I provided to clients and what did I need to do in order to keep the business moving forward to give the clients what they needed, but I didn't have to do it. So things like packaging files, creating collateral like business cards and social media templates, or just additional brand things that weren't or brand collateral that wasn't specifically like the brand identity. So that's kind of where I started with my first hire and that went really well. So that like part of the process went well as far as like deciding like what they were going to work on. And then slowly that evolved into submarks and helping with color palettes and updating um, client, you know, like revisions, things like that. One thing that I wish I had done differently because training and hiring some like training someone to do things exactly how you want it is really time consuming. And one thing that I wish I did differently was get really clear on what that contractor's business goals were. So like, did they want to work for someone else or did they want to work for themselves eventually? And they're just using like, not using you, but like they just need extra revenue at the time. So getting clear on like their vision because I did train someone and then, you know, she ended up leaving, which is totally fine. Like I support everyone's goals and she was very upfront from the beginning, but after, you know, eight months, it was kind of like, okay, now I have to rehire. So now every hire going forward, it's super clear. Like, no, this is what your, what your job is. Or like, do you eventually want to go full-time? I love that because it's not just you hiring like a robot to fulfill tasks. And that is what you want to get away from typically when you are making full-time hires because, or even subcontractors, because you can have a VA and it's task-based and you give them a bunch of tasks and they just take, they handle the tasks. But, you know, if you're looking at someone as a human being with their own goals, their own vision, their own values, I feel like that's when you start to hit that sweet spot of like, okay, wow, this person integrates into our team. They're supporting their vision. They see the vision. They, you know, they want to be a part of something bigger rather than like, oh, I'm just like a line item on their income. And it doesn't, you know, I've had, I feel like both experiences and neither Mm -hmm. one is good nor bad. It's just about knowing someone's intention behind wanting to come onto the team. Do they want mentorship? Do they want to learn how your business is run? That's totally okay. But like, do you have time for that as something that you want to pour into them, you know, or do you need someone that's going to take more things off of your plate? Like I've seen it in a lot of different ways. So I love that, you know, you kind of start talking about like, okay, get clear on your own vision, but then also be curious about what their vision is. Yeah, definitely. And I love what you said about, you know, not hiring people that are creative and that 
get to explore their own creativity because that was really important to me. You know, I have my strengths, but I also have my weaknesses and I want to hire people who are better than me, who are smarter than me, who know things that I don't know and that have the ability to grow. So the girls that are now on my team, they've been with me for over a year and a half. And from what I know, have no (laughs) intents on leaving. (laughs) And I really want to give them room to explore, room to explore their position with the company, room to explore like their creative, um, their creativity and not have them feel like they're just fitting into a box, which is how I felt in corporate. So really wanting to allow them to explore that. I love that you're not trying to fit someone into a box, that you're giving someone the opportunity that you didn't have when you were starting in corporate to be like, Hey, I know that this is what you think about what being full-time somewhere is, but like, let me turn that on its head and like, let me show you how I can pour into you and how you can be creative in your own way. And I mean, I think that it's key that, you know, you were saying, I need to hire people who know things that I don't, who like have, who have skills and knowledge and a background that are different from me, you know, um, because that's, I feel like that humility is the perfect place to hire from. Like if you're hiring from a place, not you, but like anyone is hiring from a place of like, Oh, I'm the boss. Like, I just want to hire someone to do tasks. Like, great. That's a VA call it what it is, you know? Whereas like, if you're hiring someone to be in a more creative role where they are going to be coming up with website layouts, they are going to be coming up, you know, submarks, color palettes, like even like client interfacing. Like I know that that's a big thing with, you know, full-time versus subcontractor. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you know, what, what is the intention? What's their intention? What's your intention? So I love that. I feel like that's a really like human first way to hire rather than thinking about it. Like how can I fit someone's personality and skill set into this like I don't know, hole in my business. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And you always look at, like when I do any hiring, you're looking at personality. Like, do they fit in? Do, are they trainable? Um, Are they teachable? Can I show them my ways? Because yes, there are things that they're going to have to learn that the way that you do things, like your process, your systems, just like how you like things presented, all of that stuff, they're going to have to kind of conform to that. But everything else outside, you know, they have room to explore. And one question I get a lot from, you know, my clients, my coaching clients that are hiring and they're asking, you know, well, what if they don't design like me or what if, you know, they're not like me? It's like, that's the point. Like you're bringing in more expertise, more knowledge, more perspectives than if it was just you. So your client is getting more value, more eyes, more, you know, just a different look and you know, for their brand than they would if it was just you. So um, you're always going to have the final say and like the final, you know, design eye and approval. But, you know, getting to explore that uniqueness of everyone on your team is really the point of having more people than just you. I feel like that's a really, really healthy perspective. When I finished designing a brand and I'm working on translating into a website, I found some platforms more limiting than others. I crave the design freedom and also do not want to have to take a million years to implement it. So when I had my first Shopify client, I was so nervous and worried that I would be boxed in with the templates. Then I signed up for Shopify Codex, the Shopify course for designers, and that fear vanished. It has helped me understand the platform in a digestible way. How to use the code editor, understand the admin and development environment, and so much more. 
I also have some fear around Shopify, even though I've used it a few times. You guys know that I am not super confident in my code skills, so I often get frustrated when I'm trying to adjust things, especially spacing. Leia's course is exactly what I wish I had had at the beginning of learning Shopify because it would have saved me a lot of headache. Ditch those cookie cutter templates and stop boxing in your design dreams. Become a Shopify expert by heading over to shopifycodex.com slash better and use the code better at checkout to get $300 off. And one thing that you said, I mean, it kind of is a great segue into one of the questions that I had written out. You talked about, hey, we're providing more value to our clients by bringing on team that has different perspectives, has different design skills, et cetera. I would love to kind of chat with you a little bit about hiring and scaling in a profitable way. I want to know about like, how did your pricing structure or offer structure change when you brought team on? Were you already charging, you know, like prices that you feel like would support a full-time team? And I think you said you hired four people in 2021. And I also want to know, like, what does your team look like now? So a lot of questions wrapped into one, but I'm curious. Yeah, for sure. So when I first started hiring, and I usually suggest this, and obviously it's totally different for everyone. So really do whatever feels right for for you or whoever's listening. But I was hiring on a project base so that I could... I knew exactly how much I was, what my expenses were versus how much I was making. So, you know, if someone hired, when I was by myself, I was doing, I think Brandon Webb was like 7,500. So it was 7,500. And then I was paying, I had like a specific, like per project price that I was paying the contractor to help me with that. So I knew like out of that 7,500, you know, 3,000 of that was going to go to the contractor or whatever, Um, which was a really helpful way to kind of like dabble into it without paying someone hourly. And then at the end of the month being like, oh my God, I didn't realize you worked 50 hours. Like that's so many hours. I don't have that money. Um, So doing it per project, I think was really helpful and just like helpful for for both parties, honestly, um, because then also it's fair to the contractor as well. And then... Basically, when I started hiring, so the junior designer was my first hire. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. So one thing that I looked at was when I was hiring, it was like, when I hire and someone is going to free up 10 extra hours a week for me, what am I going to do in those 10 hours? Like, am I just going to like sit outside or am I going to like, you know update my marketing strategy and be more consistent and do more outreach. So for me, it was, I'm hiring someone and I'm going to focus on sales. So once I hired someone, then we started getting more clients. Then I was able to offload more to the contractor, to like my junior designer and in turn, like produce more revenue. So that was kind of like my um, immediate thought process. So my second hire after my assistant designer was kind of a pillar person. She did kind of everything with like marketing. So she helped me with like organizing client stuff and then doing like all marketing. So like emails, Instagram. Um, She helped me with like some of my coaching stuff. So she was kind of a pillar person, which I think is really great to have when you're first hiring because you have someone that can do a bunch of different things. So when you look at a traditional agency, 
everyone has, you know, job descriptions, right? But you're you're not going to have that right off the bat. Like you're not going to have like CEO and project manager and integrator and lead designer and junior designer and marketing department. Like, no, that's just not going to work. <laughs> like everyone is just kind of all hands on deck all the time. But as you expand, that's when you start to get more specific. So Savannah, she is amazing. She's kind of like started as a pillar person and now she's moved into more specifically marketing. Um, so she does like all of our marketing stuff. Sounds amazing. I need someone to do all my content creation. <laughs> yeah, she is amazing. She just helps stay so organized and consistent, really, which is really great. And then I hired another design. I hired two other designers, and those two are now basically full time. Well, one of them is full time, and then the other one is is about to be full time. Oh, and then we hired our copywriter the end of last year, which has been amazing. Oh, so you never have to wait on clients to give you copy. <laughs> yes. So that's exactly what I the did. Like we, we had copywriters that we loved working with, like that were absolutely amazing, but it was like, you know, another significant investment for the client. And then you also had to wait, you know, months sometimes because a client would be like, Oh yeah, what do I do about copy? And you're like, Oh my God. Okay. Now I'm <laughs> <Been I'll> there. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> yes, exactly. So having an in-house copywriter has just been amazing. And it's, it stands true to my original vision of having, you know, creatives of all types to help the client bring their vision to life. So Caroline has been an amazing addition to our team. Um, and she just does such a good job and works so well with our design team and with me with strategy and all of that stuff. So where I fit in in all of this is I do all the project management and all of the creative direction. So I basically approve everything all day. It sounds nice. <laughs> and do like the big vision stuff um, and then help with like big design projects. Um, but I do a lot of the strategy, the positioning and all of that. And our next hire will be a project manager slash integrator to kind of take over that role of mine. That sounds so amazing. And I love how you talked about in the beginning, things being more blended and people having more different types of responsibilities. And then as you grow and bring on more team, people's roles get more specialized. I think that that is something that I personally struggled with when I brought on, I brought on a VA, but then I also had her doing some content creation. I also had her doing some design work and it, that wasn't a VA. That was more of a like kind of jack of all trades, you know, type of situation. And I was not as clear with the job description. And then I was asking for things that were like out of scope. And, you know, I mean, she was amazing, such a talented designer, so incredible. But like that was a situation where I was like, well, I need to check myself. Like I need to be this leader. Like I need to take control and write out a job description that's specific. And so that my team feels empowered about like, Hey, what am I responsible for? What is Jim going to handle? Kind of that handoff between team members. And that can, in certain situations, make projects a little bit longer, more difficult to manage, to handle. So I'd love to hear you speak to kind of the teamwork aspect of it. You know, does it take a little longer for you guys to get things together. I mean, obviously there's no way you could do everything yourself, um, but like how do you kind of optimize and make things more efficient for your team to communicate and kind of hand off and collaborate? Because that is something that I really miss from my time working in corporate. 
Yeah, definitely. And you made such a good point about making the job description. So for anyone that's listening and you're like, okay, you totally lost me when you said you hired all these people. Like, how did you do it? You want (laughs) to get really, really clear on what the heck this person is doing. Like, what are their jobs? And be specific. Like I would make, when I would put together a job description, I would also write down like what their weekly and their monthly and their quarterly tasks would be in order to like support them. And then that way you're finding the right person that can help you do all of those things. So you're totally right when you say, Jen, the putting together a job description, although we don't want to fit anyone to into a box, there are things that they need to be able to do. And everyone wants to know what they're responsible for when they're working. So you have to have some sort of task list or... So that is one thing that I think that we do pretty well and that we're... I mean, we're still... We do it well now because it's been a work in progress over the last 18 months. I was going to say, like, how long does it take to get the machine working at top speed? It definitely takes a while, but I think having... What is important is having the systems and processes in place prior to having a team. So what a lot of people, and this was exactly what happened to me is, you know, our systems and everything was all in my head. So it was like, oh yeah, this is what we do next. (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't a nap, like no, no one knew where to go to figure out, okay, what do we do? Like you say, okay, let's start with creative direction, but like, how do we present it to the client? Like, do you have an InDesign template? Are they always the same? Like, what does that look like? So having the systems and processes and stuff in place is definitely really, really helpful, like just off of the get-go. But we over-communicate. So I'm notorious. Like I'm not a very good communicator because I just assume everyone can read my mind. (laughs) Me and my husband. (laughs) Yes, literally. Like I just assume. So I tell my team all the time, like if you need something, if you have questions, please let me know. We have two standing calls a week, every Monday at 10 a.m. and every Thursday at 3 p.m. We have standing call, a standing call with everyone on the team and we run through all of the clients because a majority of our clients, I would say like 80% of our clients do brand strategy, branding, website, and copywriting. So that includes like at least, you know, two to three people per project. Um, So it helps just like everyone communicating and just like hearing what's going on. And just yesterday we're like running through clients and I was like, I keep feeling like, you know, Colleen, you have a lot of stuff. Reagan, do you think you could take like take over this. And it was like, yeah, no problem. So it just kind of helps like hash everything out and like who's working on what and I can stay involved because I'm not always involved in every single thing that's happening with every single client. So I can keep updated with everything. And then we also use Slack. So literally our entire team is in Slack every single day. Like every day I get a message from or like a few messages from at least everyone. Um, and I can see, you know, the girls all communicating and helping each other out and stuff. So definitely encourage like a teamwork and like creative and collaborative environment, because that is where we can do our best work for our clients. Love everything that you said. Do you, do you guys use like ClickUp or Notion or anything for your business backend to like house assets and stuff? Yeah. So we use ClickUp and we're actually in a huge overhaul. So we've been working on this for like four months and we're about to move literally everything into ClickUp. So right now we use ClickUp for 
client-facing stuff. So we communicate with our clients via ClickUp. But now we're going to basically take... We're going to eliminate Slack and Toggle and put everything into ClickUp. So they're rolling out new features, I feel like, weekly. I know. And it's like, I'm paying for like everything. I'm paying like, you know, a million dollars for ClickUp and Slack and Toggle. So uh, it'll, it'll just, and it'll just be less confusing for everyone just to have everything in ClickUp. But right now we have just like a channel for everyone, like each individual client in Slack. And then um, we'll have something similar in ClickUp as well. Oh, the organization like makes the analyst side of my brain like so happy. I have used ClickUp for a <laughs> while, but because my... It's just me and my production designer plus project-based copywriters, developers, etc. I'm really, really into Notion right now. I'm sure that like once my team gets to a point where we need to have those, like I mean, recurring tasks. You cannot do that in Notion. You can you can only do recurring tasks in ClickUp. Assignments, I feel like, are way better for ClickUp. So when people ask, like, should I use ClickUp Notion? I'm like, okay, how big is your team? If it's, if it's like more than a couple of people, like you probably need to be using ClickUp, and it's also really nice client facing. So yeah, that's like my little thing with Notion and ClickUp. They're both great though. <laughs> yeah. I've never used Notion, but I do like it whenever like you send me the notes in here. It's it's really nice. I just it's like clean. ClickUp because I like to look at like the overview of everything. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, where are we on each project? So I can go into yeah. each client's, you know, thing and see, okay, we're, you know, behind on this or Caroline's waiting on that or whatever. And then also it takes us out of the inbox and into ClickUp. So like, for example, you know, Colleen will be like, can you please respond to this question that I don't know the answer to for this client? And she just sends me a link to the message. And I don't have to like, she doesn't have to forward me an email and, you know, do all this stuff. It's just all right there. Um, So so nice. So you're also not distracted either. Yes, exactly. You're not distracted. It's like exactly what you need to do. But I could do a whole other episode on system processes. So. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I would, I'm very excited to, to hear more kind of about your offers for designers. But last question before we get into that, if someone listening feels like it might be time to either hire their first subcontractor or make their first full-time hire, what do you recommend should be their first move? Where should they look for qualified applicants? And do you want to give a really quick overview of your like interview hiring and onboarding process? Yeah. So I would say first things first, like I said in the beginning, get really, really clear on the vision that you have for the business. If you're truly not sure, start with an assistant designer, but I would still, you know, really try to get clear on like your one year, three year, five year goal, because that is what's going like taking those tiny steps every single day is what's going to get you there. So, you know, like I said, you know, I started, I made my first hire in 2020. It's now summer 2022. And it's like, I feel like my team is good now. Like we have it all together. So it truly did take two years. And if I didn't have the clear vision, it wouldn't have gotten there or it wouldn't be as satisfying get getting to that level or like, the steps were so clear. I'm sure your retention wouldn't be as high either if you didn't start with the vision. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just, you know, when you have the vision, the steps to get there are very clear no matter how long they're going to take. So that's number one that I would do is get clear on the vision. Number two, systems and processes. So 
really get those down because that will allow you to figure out where this first hire is going to fit into the process. So I would just brain dump, get it all out on paper, write it in a Google doc, come back to it. It might take you a week or two to like really write everything down and then systemize it. So put it into ClickUp, Notion, Asana, whatever you prefer, and then figure out like, okay, so this is where I need help. Or this will be like, this makes the most sense of like where the person can um, fit in or what they can help me with and then make the job description. So I have a great job description actually that I think I took from my mentor. You should turn it into a freebie <laughs> Yeah, for your email. List. I could. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, if you should, yeah, should I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Okay. I mean, if people want to see your job description, you know, they can yeah, sign up for your email list. <laughs> uh, the marketing mind is always working. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's so true. I don't even think about it. I give like so much stuff away for free. I don't even think about it. Well, <laughs> but you can. It's you okay. Can. <laughs> so, okay. So if you go to currentdesignstudio.com slash careers, I have a pretty good job description, just kind of layout that you can take a look at. But on top of that, I would also do something internally. That's like, like I said, what this person's going to do weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, where they fit in, the growth into the company. And then when you're hiring, I have had the most luck on Indeed um, because I'm looking for long-term... Yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. But because I'm looking for long-term team members. So I'm not, I don't want just freelancers or people have that have their own studios and are going to leave me in like six months. I want someone who wants an actual career and that's going to stay with me. So that's why another thing, like the vision is important. And if you don't really care and you're just, are just looking for help, then use Facebook groups or networking or reach out on Instagram, tap into your network. But it will all be easier if you have a job description and are clear on like what this person's going to do. Got it. So do you have to think about like benefits, and like health insurance and stuff like that for your full-time people? Because that's a world that I feel like I would not know where to start. <laughs> okay. So if we're being completely honest, like that is so hard. I'm still yeah. figuring this out. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm still figuring that out. But yes, um, Gusto is a really, I'm like not the, yeah, I'm, Gusto. <laughs> yeah, Gusto is great. So I'm dabbling in there now, but like, I'm seriously not the person to ask because like, <laughs> it's a whole other world of benefits and, you know, I, I can pay invoices, but yeah, because I mean, of course you're thinking about the longevity of your studio. You want to cultivate people who are loyal to you. And so, yeah, yeah Gusto is great. I've been using Gusto ever since I made my first subcontract hire just for the tax purposes of them putting all of the tax information together. And I also have a bookkeeper and I also have a tax accountant because I was like, this yeah. is not my, where I shine. And I am yep. open about that. <laughs> so yeah, guys, check out Gusto. It's really great. Exactly. My accountant is like doing all that stuff in Gusto for me. And it's so true what you're saying. Like, People ask me all the time, like, what's the difference between having a contractor and an employee? And it's building the loyalty and building the longevity and the, like, someone that's going to stay and build and grow with you and make your business better than you ever thought they could versus a contractor who could, doesn't have that loyalty and could just leave. So you want to think of the benefits, yes, of like, you know, how you can treat your employees well and how they can 
you know, want to work with you and how you can be like an amazing company to work for. Love it. And I feel like this is making me want to hire someone full time. (laughs) I work with a subcontract um, production designer and she has really been just taking control of my content calendar in a way that feels so amazing. Like being on like on me for like, Hey, Friday email needs to go out, you know, that type of stuff, like kind of dabbling in Pinterest content creation and I'm writing all the copy and stuff for her. But like, I'm like, she's looking for a full-time job right now. And I'm like, (laughs) I like, she's like, I would love to work for you. And I'm like, Oh, I just feel like I have this fear of like, what if like the client work dries up? Like what if I'm responsible for someone's livelihood? Like, I feel like that's so much pressure. And so, I mean, I know I said it was going to be last question, like four questions ago, but like last question of our conversation, like how do you kind of personally think about that stuff? And maybe it's mindset, maybe it's journaling or whatever, but like, how do you deal with the pressure of supporting people's lifestyles? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of pressure that comes with it, but I think it truly is mindset. And if you're, I'm super into mindset and positivity. That's what one of my businesses is, is all about, you know, mindset and training your mind is you are capable. Like you've already had consistent clients for four years. Like why would all of a sudden you have no clients? That doesn't make any sense. Like that just wouldn't happen. Yeah. That's what my husband tells me. He's like, when was the last time you had a $0 revenue month? I was like, never. Well, maybe like the first month of my business. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even that was probably like $150. So like, you know, but yeah, I, I think about it that way. And like, there's money everywhere. People want to pay you and just thinking about it like that and having a team only amplifies that. So you are bringing more value and having support allows you to go and do other things like more big vision sales, all of that kind of stuff. So that is the way that I try to think about it, but I totally, I mean, you know, there's months where you're like, shit, you know, there, that wasn't like (laughs) a great revenue, uh, month, but it happens. And another thing too, is your employees or your team, which is how I prefer to refer to everyone is like, they know it's a startup. So like for, or a small business. So like for my girls, I'm like, bear with me. (laughs) I know (laughs) that, you know, some things are not super organized or not super corporate, but we're not corporate. And if they wanted to be in corporate, that's where they would work, you know? So just being super open and communicating um, and not over-promising things. But I think that just kind of comes with the, um, comes with having a team. And that's why the vision is really important. Love this conversation so much. I feel like there's like a million other questions that I could ask, but I want to give you an opportunity to chat a little bit more about your offers for designers. You have your design to scale mastermind, you have business strategy intensives, you have a template shop. Tell us about all that stuff. Tell us what's included and then how our listeners can find you and connect with you or inquire about purchasing. Yeah, sure. This has been so amazing. I am so, so passionate about helping designers and mentoring because I really had no idea what the heck I was doing. And so a lot of the stuff that, I mean, there's so much education and everything out there. And a lot of what I do now is everything that I wish that I had. And I'm a completely open book. I'm totally transparent. So if you're listening to this and you have any questions for me, please 
send me a DM, shoot me an email. I'd be happy to chat with you. But yeah, some more formal ways to work with me. Um, I have a mastermind. It's called Design to Scale. I only run that once a year and it's not running right now. Um, and it won't start until... I'm not even sure if I'm going to do it next year anyway. But um, <laughs> if I do, it won't be until like June next year. And then you can also work with me through business intensive. So it's a one, it's a 90 minute intensive where we would just go over any specific topic that you have in your business. Um, and we, I would have you fill out a questionnaire. It's a, like a few day ramp up and then unlimited support a few weeks after that. And I give you access to like all of my templates, um, click up templates. I show you like literally anything, any questions that you ever have. And then all of our process templates are also available for sale in my template shop, which are basically the temp- the exact templates that we use in our business. So I think I have like our proposal template, brand strategy template, logo presentation, and there's one more, oh, project timeline template. So I have all of those and I'm kind of crazy about systems and processes and ours are really good. So um, those are there. And then I also am going to be launching a course because like I said, my mastermind is kind of for um, high-level designers. So if you're doing like six figures and more um, and you're really wanting to hire and elevate your business, that's what the mastermind is for. And the course will be more for newer designers who are kind of going from solopreneur to like making that next move. So a little bit newer, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, and you could buy a motive deck, um, which are affirmation cards for entrepreneurs <laughs> that's on motivedeck.com. But you can just, if you go to buyoliviaaustin.com or buy Olivia Austin on Instagram, you'll be able to connect everywhere. Wonderful. I love that you have an affirmation deck. That must've been so much fun to design. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. So in 2020, I wanted to do like a conceptual project just to get better at packaging design. And then I was like, wait, this is such a good idea. I would actually use this. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to turn this into a legitimate business. So I launched it in July. You truly are a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm also a visionary as well. And I like to work with people who are also visionaries. I feel like I have like 10 different business ideas cooking in the back of my head. I love watching yeah. Bar Rescue. And we, my husband and I have always wanted <laughs> to open up a bar. We want to do Airbnb. I'm like, okay, I yeah. have a two-year-old. I've got to like rein it in. But like my brain always goes crazy. So I, I love talking to you know multi-passionate people like you. So Yeah. And I think that's like the best part about entrepreneurship is... And same thing, like what's so cool about your podcast and... It's, you know, everyone, there's so much room for growth and there's room for everyone. So, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's no, no one's better than anyone else. No one's comparing. Literally, like you said, it's who the only designer that you want to be better is the one you were yesterday. And that's so such a good testament because it is really easy to compare and to think like, oh my God, I should be doing all of this and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, I was doing too much. Like I was podcasting and posting on Instagram all the time and having an email list and on LinkedIn and Pinterest and like doing all this stuff. And I was like, no, I don't want to be doing any of that. I would rather be spending half my days at the beach. Like what am I doing? (laughs) So (laughs) yes. And the more like I reeled it in and the less I did, the more revenue I made. And that's like a huge lesson is like my mantra, like for life is 
the more fun I have, the more money I make. And like, it's so true. Like whenever I'm on vacation, it's like things are coming in. I have new clients. It's like, oh my God, this is like, I, this is like the sign that I needed. So I definitely like, you know, I have my agency, which runs really well. I'm super passionate about mentoring designers. So I will always do that in whatever capacity that looks like for me. And then I have my product business, which has also been super fun to explore because it's totally different than a service-based business. So do whatever you want. (laughs) Yes, do it. Okay, so let's do our inbox question. This question is from Chelsea Levinson. She asks, should I list multiple package and price options on the proposal? My gut is telling me not to because they will go with the lower price package, even though they really need more. What is your take on this? Okay, this is such a good question. And I am a proponent of package price options or like just different package options in general, because it really does customize what the client needs. So like on a discovery call, you're listening to people say, I need branding and I also need website. um, And I also need a podcast design and a presentation deck. So you want to propose all of that and give them the ability to remove and take away whatever it is that they need. Now, I would always have a base package. So never have like branding with the option to take out, I don't know, color (laughs) You need that. Yeah, exactly. Like have your branding and have that. And if someone just wants branding, then it's fine because it has everything that they need in it. So one thing to remember is you are the expert. So you're the expert. So clients are coming to you for you to tell them what they need. So if you think that the lowest priced branding that they need this as the minimum, then that's what the package should be. So you should always, no matter if it's the if it's low or super high, feel very confident in what you're providing to the client. And not everyone's going to pick the lowest option. We get clients all the time that pick the most expensive one and want to pay in full. And I'm like, where are all of you? That's what we need. And some people are perfectly happy with, you know, just doing branding, which is fine. We can finish that in three weeks and it's like a perfect project for whatever. So I would just get really clear on like what's included in the package and feel confident in that and not like, oh, I wish I think that they should do more. What do you think? 100%. And you you hit it exactly on the head when you were like, they're not always going to choose the lowest option. You know, yeah. they're going to choose the option. I mean, if you're approaching your sales conversation, we've talked about this before, from a place of value and a place of fulfilling their goals, rather than focusing completely on deliverables and process, then they're mm-hmm. going to go with what is going to give them the vision that they ultimately want if they feel like the price point and the value is there. If they don't Mm -hmm. feel like the value is there for the package, it doesn't matter how much is in it or how little is in it. If they don't see the value, they're not going to book. And that has really nothing to do with us as designers. We're just putting out our packages. We're putting out our options for our clients. If they see the value, if they see the potential ROI, if they see the vision that they could achieve through working together with you, maybe that's increasing their pricing. Maybe that's attracting higher quality clients. Maybe that's working with fewer clients. Maybe that's hiring team, you know, whatever those big pieces are, those vision pieces. And if they see the value, 
that's when they'll book. I mean, it's the, it's the, you know, the basic laws of economy. If, if someone yeah. finds a product valuable, a good value for the price, then they will purchase. And so if you kind of, I don't know, shifting my mindset around from like convincing or pushing or, you know, like, oh, I need to tell them why they want this. It's like, no, they already know why they want something. You just got to help yeah. them diagnose their problem, et cetera, et cetera. So Chelsea, I would encourage you to put multiple price options. I like putting three, maybe two, if it's a really small project, and then just make sure that your lower price option is, you know, profitable for you. It's all about profitability, right? Like you wouldn't just yeah. offer the same service at a lower price point just because the client's budget is lower. I mean, you can do yeah. that, especially in times and seasons where you need a cash injection, you need some cash flow in your business, not ever saying like, oh, don't ever discount because who knows what situation you're in. But yeah, I, I find it very empowering for myself and the client to give them multiple different price points because how great is that? They get to choose what type of investment they do. Right. They not, they're not forced into a 10K investment if they're not ready for that. You know, if you have a profitable day rate offer at 2K, go for it. Put it on there. Maybe that's mm-hmm. your most profitable offer you ever work on in your business. My my intensives and my my mid four-figure offers are my most profitable projects. And maybe that's just because I haven't figured out the right balance of subcontract and expenses for some of those higher ticket, you know, 20K plus projects. But yeah, those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's so good. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. I am so excited for this episode to come out. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. And you know, if you have any questions for Olivia, like she said, she's an open book. It's the same way with me. I'm like, literally ask me anything. I will tell you. Yeah any number, like, I don't care. I am so like transparent. So I'm so glad that, you know, you are the same way as well. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so great. Awesome. All right. Well, we will see you guys next Tuesday. Super excited for whatever episode we have coming up next. (laughs) (laughs) Bye guys. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.